how fortunate we are uh, to have as our leader uh, someone with the character, the courage, uh, and indeed the personality to, to lead the party forward in these very, very difficult times. Um, I've known John Boehner for 30 plus years. Uh, we've had a lot of fun together, we've played a lot of golf together, we've worked together, we've talked. Um, people ask me all the time when I'm traveling around, what's this Boehner guy really like? And I said, that, you know, he is, uh, in my estimation, kind of typifies what we like to think are Midwestern traits. Honesty, integrity, as word as his bond. Um, not the kind of guy that goes out looking for fights, gets along well with uh, Democrats as well as Republicans. Um, the kind of person that you would want to have in that position as speaker at this particular time in our history. So how fortunate we are to have somebody uh, with his background, with his intellect, with his ability to, to work with all sides to get things done. Um, nobody ever questioned his integrity, nobody ever questioned his patriotism, nobody's ever questioned his conservatism. And that's why I think we are in good hands over the next two years and hopefully longer than that uh, with John Boehner at the helm. So it's a great honor for me to introduce our good friend, the Speaker of the House, the Honorable John A. Boehner. for his very generous introduction. He's never this nice uh, in person. <laughs> but you know, uh, this year, uh, Rippin's, uh, it's fifth, Rippin's 50th anniversary. And uh, uh, over the course of, uh, of the 50 years of Rippin that it has existed, uh, it really has been very helpful in terms of uh, helping to shore up our party. Uh, frankly, helping uh, to broaden our party. And, uh, and uh, you know, one of the group's original objectives uh, was to change the image of the Republican Party from one of reaction to action. Well, let me tell you, we got action. <laughs> I don't think that's one of the issues. You know, uh, the Ox, uh, when he was uh, uh, giving me this introduction, talked about no one's questioned my integrity, no one questioned my patriotism, no one questioned my conservatism. Oh. <laughs> Where the hell you been? <laughs> so it's uh, it got me to thinking about uh, the last two years. You know, the last years, uh, I think all of you know, have been, uh, have been pretty rough. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't, uh, hindsight is 2020. I mean, it's uh, one of the truest statements that someone ever made. And, uh, you know, looking back at, uh, going back to uh, the spring of uh, 2011, the summer of 2011, uh, me sitting down with the president, uh, you have no idea the suspicions uh, and the, uh, uh, the undercurrents uh, that it caused, uh, frankly, a lot of my members. And, uh, and then, you know, we went through this, uh, another effort uh, in, uh, in December. 
uh, trying to see if we can't deal with the biggest issue that I think faces our country, and that is uh, our nation's crippling debt. And, uh, uh, but it really has, in fact, uh, uh, caused somewhat of a breach that uh, I've been in the middle of, of trying to repair. And uh, uh, because some of our members uh, don't realize that, you know, while I may be uh, a nice enough guy and I get along with people, uh, when I was voting, I had the eighth most conservative voting record in the House. Uh, but a lot of our newer members, they don't know that. And so, uh, you know, they think I'm some squish uh, that uh, ready to sell them out in a heartbeat. Uh, well, obviously, most of you in this room know that they ain't quite who I am. And, uh, and so uh, that was one issue. I think the other issue, uh, if I look back over the last few years, is that uh, because of the strategy that we developed, uh, we allowed uh, Harry Reid uh, to avoid having votes on some very difficult issues uh, that uh, he was trying to shield his members from. And so if you go through uh, uh, all of what uh, happened over the last couple of years, and it wasn't hard for me to make it clear to our members in uh, late December, or maybe it was January the 1st, or New Year's Eve, uh, that uh, while I'd be happy to talk to the president, we'll look forward to continuing to work with the president, uh, the House was going to follow regular order. And that is, uh, we're going to do our work in the House. Uh, and we're going to send it over to the Senate and expect them to do, to do their work. And uh, uh, I think a lot of you probably have heard about our retreat last week. Had one of the best retreats uh, that the members uh, have had. Uh, we uh, had the right mix uh, between outside speakers, motivational speakers, and uh, ample time for the members to actually talk to each other. And out of this uh, conversation, uh, developed a, a plan for uh, moving forward here in the short term. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got this debt limit uh, that's facing us. Uh, we've got uh, uh, the sequester hits the, on uh, March the 1st. And uh, if all that isn't enough, uh, the government runs out of money on uh, March 27th. And, uh, you know, dealing with the debt limit, uh, and, try, and breaching the debt limit, which some of our members have been pretty anxious to do, uh, that's playing with fire. And uh, no one really knows what will happen, uh, but I'm not quite sure I want to look over the edge of the cliff And uh, uh, when it comes to the debt limit. And uh, so in terms of uh, trying to hit our objective, deal with the, the structural deficits that our country's facing, uh, moving uh, the debt limit out of the way, uh, and, uh, and dealing with the sequester uh, in the CR uh, at the end of March, I think uh, puts us in a much uh, stronger position. Uh, but to do that, uh, we've got to move the, uh, the debt limit uh, out. And uh, there's nothing that irritates our members more than the fact that for nearly four years now, the Senate has not done a budget. And uh, so they came up with this idea that, all right, we'll extend the debt limit, uh, contingent upon uh, the Senate, uh, the Senate's going to have to do a budget, and the House is going to have to do a budget. Of course, we've done budgets every year, and um, when the Senate doesn't do their budget, they're going to get their pay docked. And uh, so we're uh, we're out busy rounding up uh, votes to, today to try to get that done. Uh, and uh, and you know Chuck Schumer came out uh, uh, yesterday, the day before. I didn't know he was the new budget chairman of the Senate. <laughs> I'm sure Patty Murray was thrilled to death. <laughs> I can tell you a great story, but I won't. <laughs> and, uh, you know, announces that the Senate's going to do a budget and it's going to have new revenue in it. 
And I thought to myself, well, that would be interesting, uh, considering uh, some of these new members that just got elected from very red states, uh, some uh, members uh, that uh, are in cycle over in the Senate uh, uh, next two years that uh, come from very red states. Oh, uh, it's going to be interesting watching the Senate attempt to do a budget. Uh, but, you know, when you've got uh, a structural deficit as big as ours, uh, the idea that you're going to leave things on autopilot and not deal with them uh, is really, uh, uh, it's not fair to the American people, and it's not fair for our kids and our grandkids. Uh, as I said, we're going to do our budget. And frankly, we're going to outline uh, a plan to, to balance the budget within 10 years, uh, which is, in fact, a big step forward uh, for our team. And frankly, I think it's going to be challenging uh, to be able to put that budget together. And then we're going to sit and expect uh, the Senate to, to do their job. You know, uh, the President, uh, in our meetings, uh, going, uh, I don't know, it was right before Christmas, right after, must have been before Christmas, when uh, uh, the President was so tired of me uh, talking about when we're going to deal with our entitlement crisis. And the President looked at me and said, well, Banner, we don't have a spending problem. So we have a health care problem. And uh, uh, it gives you some idea of the challenge uh, that we're facing. You know, for a guy uh, who's run up the deficit 60%, 60% of this deficit has occurred under his watch. Uh, when you see this, uh, and then you hear him uh, last week, the week before last, say, I am not going to negotiate on the debt limit. I'm not going to deal with the debt limit. That's Congress's problem. Uh, is, uh, uh, frankly, I think you're responsible. And uh, given what we heard yesterday uh, about the president's uh, vision for his second term, uh, it's pretty clear uh, to me uh, that it uh, should be clear to all of you uh, that he knows he can't do any of that as long as the House is controlled by Republicans. And so uh, we're expecting here uh, over the next uh, 22 months uh, to uh, be the, the focus of this administration as they attempt uh, to annihilate uh, the Republican Party. And let me just tell you, I do believe that is their goal, uh, to just uh, shove us into the dustbin of history. Now, we've been there before, all right? Uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been on these spots before. I remember, uh, I remember November of 06 or January of 07. Uh, we've, been through, uh, we've been through these periods before. And, you know, our members get down, our supporters get down. I've got Pat got an email from a mutual friend. I'm finished, done, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, don't send me any more fundraising appeals. I've had it. Uh, last night I get a text, a three-page text from my good friend Lou Holtz, uh, who wants to watch the State of the Union, and then he watched all that blabber on TV last night. And so uh, about 9.30 I get this three-page text. I'm done, finished, the country's over with. We're not doing this again. Now, I already had this conversation with Lou about nine or ten days after the election. He came in to speak to our 34 new members. And uh, before he went over to talk to me, he came over to my office, and he's moaning and groaning. I said, Lou, would you stop it? We're Americans. We'll figure this out. And I had to spend 15 minutes giving Lou Holtz a pep talk. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it again last night. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but listen. We are Americans, and we will figure this out. Uh, but uh, these next uh, these next couple of weeks, uh, next couple of months, and frankly, the next 20 months, uh, are going to be very difficult uh, periods for us. 
while we want to stand up and fight uh, for uh, more fiscal responsibility, I uh, want to stand up and uh, find a way to move uh, tax reform that will help our economy grow, uh, to do the things we believe in, uh, but we're going to be doing it in, in an environment that's going to be far hostile than anything I think we've seen for a long, long time. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to have to make some big decisions about uh, how we as a party uh, take on this challenge. You know, where's the ground that we fight on? Uh, where's the ground that we retreat on? Uh, where are the smart fights? Where are the dumb fights that we have to stay away from? Uh, but we've got, uh, we've got a lot of big decisions uh, to make. And while the retreat, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it got focused on the next 90 days, uh, there needs to be further work to talk about uh, how we're going to navigate uh, the next 20 months and what our goals are and how do we think we defend uh, ourselves uh, in what I do believe is going to be a very hostile environment. All I know is that uh, uh, I'm up for the fight. Uh, you know, I believe in this cause. You all know I never thought I'd do this. Uh, but uh, uh, my job is to get our team uh, pulled together. We made some big gains at the retreat, but we've got to over the next couple of weeks, a couple of months, uh, got to do even more work uh, to help reunite our team and rebuild our team uh, to take on the big fights uh, that are facing us. It's going to be a big challenge. I'm ready for it. God bless you. Picture, I'm trying to figure out what I was thinking of myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do a few questions as long as they're not too hard. Okay. Protocol dictates that uh, Mr. Oxley gets number one, Mr. T. Berry gets number two, and then it's open season. <laughs> um, any chance that. We're not answering questions. I could have a question. <laughs> <laughs> a former member, so. Well, well, is anybody going to smoke out Harry Reid? I mean, is, is it only Obama is able to get Reid off his butt to do anything at all? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask the president. I mean, it's just pathetic. But uh, the Senate's going to have to do their work. You know, I, looking back, uh, what I should have done the day after the election uh, was to make clear that the House has passed a bill to extend all of the current tax rates. Uh, the House has passed a bill uh, to replace the sequester with cuts in mandatory spending. Uh, and the Senate ought to do its work. And we're ready able to willing to work with the Senate as soon as they approve the bill. It should have been what I said. You know, again, hindsight's 2020 because it is. And uh, uh, I don't know what they're capable of. And so uh, they're going to have to figure it out. Yes, sir. Mr. Speaker, um, between the business roundtable, CEOs, and the campaign to fix the debt, the CEOs have tried to get engaged and tried to help in the process addressing the debt long term. They probably at the policy level, the heart, their hearts were in the right place, but I think politically they weren't necessarily helpful at points along the way. Um, for those of us who work for companies and CEOs who are engaged or coming to town, what would be most helpful for you from the CEOs? Uh, listen, I, I talked to the fixed the debt folks um, last summer, last fall, November. Uh, the American people don't understand uh, how serious the debt problem is. You know, most Americans uh, think that we can cut congressional pay, get rid of earmarks, and we can solve our deficit problem. Uh, they don't understand the structural problem that we face. And, uh, and, you know, they were talking about raising a lot of money and doing a lot of things, but I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, but they need to educate the American people uh, about our debt problem. 
Uh, that is the number one issue because uh, to do the kind of things that need to be done, uh, we're going to need votes. We're not going to get votes, uh, bipartisan votes, in an environment where, where, where members on either side of the other constituents just don't understand how big the problem is. Speaker, uh, last year and up until a few months ago, tax reform seemed to be a high priority. How do you see that playing out in the next uh, Congress? Well, I think the question was about tax reform. A big uh, debate uh, probably underway about uh, whether we should even go down this path. Uh, I got some that do, some that don't. Uh, some wondering, gee, what kind of tax reform could we ever get signed into law uh, considering uh, uh, you know, the position of our president? And uh, so there's uh, that debate uh, is not, it's just beginning, and it'll probably grow, and I'm sure you'll read all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Speaker, have you had any discussions with Republican leaders in the Senate about your proposal on uh, the debt ceiling, and how do you think it's going to play out over in the Senate? Uh, unfortunately, we decided this at our retreat uh, late last week, and the Senate was not in session. So over the weekend, uh, we had some senators went out, and Republican senators went out and said things. Uh, but uh, yesterday, they all started to get filled in on what the plan was, and uh, uh, seemed much uh, happier with the plan, and I think on board with the plan. So at this point, we're doing pretty good. On entitlement reform, which is something we supposed to want, there's the ability to both cut costs and increase revenue. Um, has the party engaged and brought in any of the major entitlement reform groups on the disabled side to discuss any proposals? Uh, there have been a lot of conversations, frankly, over the last two years. And, uh, and then you look at the work of the Bull Simpson uh, commission that the president created, and there's a there's a menu. It started with Bull Simpson. That, that menu got expanded in my talks with the president a year and a half ago. Got expanded again during the talks uh, with the super committee. Got expanded again with our talks uh, with the president uh, in uh, December. So there, there's a very big menu. Now the question is, uh, you know, uh, what are people willing to do? And uh, and so the House at some point here in the next couple of months is likely to move, uh, after we move the budget, likely to, to move uh, uh, a spending reform bill. Uh, I can't tell you what it's going to look like yet, but uh, uh, so those conversations, I would guess, uh, with the outside groups will probably continue. Mr. Speaker, I wonder if you could comment a little bit about the gun violence issue and immigration. I mean, they're not monetary, they don't kind of fit the key message, but you see those as... Well, the immigration issue, uh, it's time to deal with it. Uh, I've said it the day after the election, I'm in it, and, uh, and, it, and it, we're going to have to deal with it. And I think uh, there's a bipartisan group of members who have been meeting now for three or four years. Uh, frankly, I think they're basically having agreement. And uh, I've not seen the agreement. Uh, I don't know, you know all the pitfalls in it. Uh, but uh, uh, it was, in my view, the right group of members. Uh, some uh, some of the hard heads on you know, hard heads on our side, and some of the uh, the people involved in immigration reform on the other side. And uh, you know, my theory was that these folks could uh, work this out. 
it would be a big step in the right direction. So I would think um, you're likely to hear a lot more about immigration reform on the House side soon uh, when it comes to the issue of uh, gun violence. Uh, why don't we just put it in the category of violence? You know, uh, if you look at uh, uh, all the statistics, uh, we've got a fairly violent society. And uh, uh, a lot of reasons for it, a lot of it probably being driven uh, by the drug trade. You look at what's happened in Chicago. Uh, over the last couple of years, uh, unimaginable numbers of deaths, uh, almost all of it related uh, to drug violence. Uh, when you look at the fact that there are probably over 300 million guns in American uh, hands, uh, uh, the idea that uh, you're going to pass some law that means something, uh, I, I think it's, uh, uh, it's just not well thought out. And uh, what I would have hoped that the president would have done uh, would be to assemble uh, some kind of blue ribbon panel of people who would look uh, at the source of the problem, uh, look at the violent nature of our society, uh, maybe draw some conclusions uh, about why that is, and then from there take some reasoned steps to determine what is it we can do. You know, you can pass some uh, assault weapon ban or some other thing, and, uh, and politically it may sound good to some people, but all you're doing is giving people some false sense of security. You're not really dealing uh, with it in an honest way. Uh, you know, this whole thing that uh, Biden came out with and the president did his executive orders. Uh, mostly he said in the executive orders, we're going to enforce the law that's already on the books that we're supposed to be enforcing now. Uh, it was nothing. It was all political pandering. So I would, uh, uh, I would hope uh, that uh, as we do hearings and try to uh, to get to the bottom of this, uh, we would do it in a more thoughtful and serious way. I guess everybody's tired. <laughs> well, Mr. Speaker, what? since no one has anything right now, on a much, much lighter note, last night, NBC News, Section 2, top story. Mrs. Obama rolls her eyes at something you said. <laughs> what was it that you said? I didn't say anything. No. This was why I don't know what this is all about. My daughter sent me something yesterday afternoon, and then they sent me this clip that's gone everywhere. And um, we had actually we had a very pleasant day, all day. There was one, not one unpleasant thing said between she or I or the two of us with the president. Other than when she told me the president would listen to her. And, uh, <laughs> and then the president came back and said, Mr. President, your wife says you won't listen to her. Let me give some advice. You better listen. <laughs> but uh, I don't know where this, there, you know, Schumer, somebody said Schumer was at the microphone. Uh, maybe she was rolling her eyes at something Schumer had to say. <laughs> but I'll, I'll guarantee you, I gave her no reason, no reason whatsoever. So roll more eyes at me. <laughs> Keep up the great work. We'll see you all.